Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the U.S. Markets Wrap. I'm Sean Cheong coming to you right here on Money FM 89.3. We are seeing a nice broad move in the markets. Discretionaries, industrials, materials, tech, they're all working today and they're all contributing to a nice upside across the board. Also, there's some good news contributing to the lift, no doubt, like new U.S. home sales are rising at its fastest pace in the year. Consumer confidence is blowing away expectations. So with all of this, let's take a look at the indexes right now. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has finished in the green, finally, snapping a losing streak with names like NVIDIA, Meta Platforms and Microsoft finishing in the green. The Dow Jones average ended the day more than 0.6% up to end at 33,926 points. The S&P 500 advanced higher by more than 1% to finish at 4,378 points, while the Nasdaq Composite surged by more than 1.6% to settle at 13,555 points. So, the momentum as we make the turn into the second half of the year, is there enough of it to keep the bulls charging ahead? Let's ask Victoria Fernandez. She's the Chief Marketing Strategist at Crossmark Global Investment. It's good to hear from you, Victoria. Thank you for having me. So, how do you answer that question? Is there enough momentum in what has been an amazing run as we make this turn into the second half of the year? Yeah, I have to say, Sean, that I'm a little cautious um, with the bull run that we've been seeing, and not because we don't think that the numbers coming out show that there is some strength in the in the economy. There is, and I think you never want to underestimate the U.S. consumer, and so there's some foundational elements there that tell you it's a strong market, but at the same time, there's a lot of signals that are telling you maybe there's another shoe to drop for this economy. You have leading economic indicators down 14 months in a row. You have the money supply declining year over year. You have an inverted yield curve. You have a lot of traditionally um, signals that traditionally tell you a recession is coming. And so I don't think I'm ready to say we're all clear and that we have a full bull run ahead of us. Um, but the market is trending higher right now. And so, you know, they say don't fight the Fed, but you also don't fight the trends that you're seeing in the market. So I think there's some uncertainty here we have to get through. So on this note of trends, then, if you look at this trend and if someone were to ask you, okay, let's look at the risk reward, is it better or is it worse now? Where will you sit on this? Well, we're being a little more cautious with our clients. I think looking at some of these red flags that we're seeing and anticipating that we might have a few more as we go um, into the second half of this year, especially since the U.S. is going to be doing uh, their budgeting at the end of September and there can be a lot of volatility around the budget and what happens in Washington, D.C., I think you have to be a little bit more cautious and your risk reward could be a little bit less here when you're looking at some of these names that have done so well this year. You you mentioned some of them already, like in NVIDIA, some of these tech names that are up a tremendous amount. Perhaps you take a little bit of that off the table and you look at some other names that have already been hit this year that maybe will have a better bounce back. So I would be a little bit more cautious on that. Um, and stay maybe towards some of the staples or towards some of the value names for a little bit. So on the note of caution, Victoria, what's going to be new on the wall of worry that's going to be challenging the market in the coming months? Well, I think we have a few things. We obviously have central banks globally that are continuing to raise rates. Um, They're very hawkish. They're telling you, we heard Christine Lagarde um, about 12 hours ago talking about how they have more work to do. We know the Federal Reserve is saying they have more work to do. The Reserve Bank of Australia, 
the Bank of Norway, all of these banks are continuing to be hawkish in rates. So we're going to have to continue to battle that. I mentioned in the U.S. we have budget scenarios that are going to be going on and what does that mean for different parts of the market. Um, and you have things that we mentioned that are a little bearish. You have things like loan growth that could be um, taking a little bit of a hit. You have consumers that have spent a lot of their excess stimulus money um, and so maybe the consumer starts to pull back a little bit. I think you have some warning signs that you have to be, be careful of, but one thing we're watching is the credit market. We haven't seen stress in the credit market yet, but we'll be watching for it. Okay, before we move into that, since you mentioned the Fed having to do more work, it still looks like issues leading to tighter financial conditions have improved. So what else do they need to do to finally get all their ducks in a row? <laughs> That's a great question, and I wish I knew the answer, and they probably wish they knew the answer as well. Um, they only have so many tools in their disposal. And, you know, the tool that they're using, you can do adjustments to the balance sheet and they can adjust the Fed funds rate. And these are things that they're doing. They haven't been working as much as they used to historically. And I think that's because there's less exposure to interest rate sensitive loans in the economy than there used to be. Um, people have gotten away from some of the adjustable rate mortgages and things like that that they used to have. And so it's taking a little bit longer for these things to affect the economy, but their tools are limited at this point. And so I think you're going to continue to see them hike rates in the belief that that's what's going to um, give some cracks in the economy, slow down the labor market, and therefore bring inflation down to target. How much of all of this has actually already been priced in? Yeah, it's interesting because you look at what's happened in Europe and you had Christine Lagarde come out and say, we have more work to do and things need to, to go even further. And yet you didn't see much movement in yields, which tells you that a lot of that is probably priced in. You look in the U.S. market, and again, you have at the last FOMC meeting, you have them saying a couple more rate hikes are coming, and we didn't see yields move tremendously higher. They made some move, but not a lot. So I think you're right. Some of this is already priced in to the market. If it goes further than what the market is anticipating right now, which is another one to two hikes, if they go even further, if the Fed takes it to a 6% Fed fund rate, then I think you see um, a greater reaction in the market. So you mentioned earlier that you see a recession might be coming. And let's take a look specifically at the market yesterday. If you look at stocks like Delta Airlines, for example, it's up 25% for the month and tested 52 highs yesterday. JetBlue up 8%. So what are we thinking? Should we look at these stocks and then run? Or do we come in and just buy them now first because of this amazing news flow? Yeah, you want to look at valuations on some of these names that have had large runs and look and see where they're trading, what their valuation looks like. Look at their balance sheets and see what you think they're going to do. Now, there's a lot of technical elements, right? When you look at the charts of stocks and are they above their 50-day moving average? Are they going above their 200-day moving average? That's typically a bullish sign for stocks. So there's some technical elements you want to look on a a name-by-name basis when you're doing that. So I don't want to paint a broad stroke for all stocks. I think you have to be very stock-specific in this kind of a market to determine where you want to allocate your funds. And on that note of stock-specific, a lot of the stocks, uh, they went on this run because of AI and that was predicated on what AI can do potentially without seeing it actually do anything yet. So is (laughs) is sentiment and excitement for many out there? Do you feel that this rally has just been too fast? And does this run even make any sense to you? 
It has been quite fast. I mean, we saw a very quick bump in these tech names. And when we went through this last earnings season, I think any CEO that mentioned AI for their business on their earnings call, it seemed to give a boost to the stock. So there's definitely been a push on the AI front. And I think that's part of the reason we've seen the U.S. market pull back a little bit over the last week or so. Some of that newness has worn off and people are starting to say, wait a minute, what are the costs of implementing all these wonderful things associated with AI? What is that going to mean for productivity? What is that going to mean for the labor market? And they're starting to think through a little bit more. I think when you have names that have had 40, 50, 60 percent runs based on some of the AI excitement and the sentiment around it, you should trim those names, take some of that money off the table and find other areas to invest those funds. Well, good performance as well, like Whirlpool, XPO, Charles Swap yesterday, they all moved about 5% or so to the upside. Those names are not in the narrative in AI, I, I think so at least. And so should we look at this bot- <laughs> should we look at this broadening out with optimism then perhaps and be a little bit more optimistic for all the names that are not in this AI one? Yeah, it's, it's those names that I said earlier that have pulled back previously, and they were already taking a hit earlier in this year. And now we're starting to see some of the momentum, um, what we call the breadth in the market, starting to spread out. And that's a positive for the market. We want to see more and more of the stocks doing well, not just the top five, six, or seven names in the index that are you know making up 80% of their performance. So as we see more of those other stocks do better, and as that breadth widens out, that's positive for the market and that should provide some positive momentum going forward. Right. So basically the S&P 493 after you take out the Magnificent 7. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I note though, Victoria, you are still feeling a bit bearish, right? I am still feeling bearish, and it's not that I want to take away any of the positive momentum that's in the market. I just think we don't want to be blinded by the the momentum that we've seen and by some of the AI hype that has been there to the other things that we know can cause a downside in the market. Like I said before, the inverted yield curve, the higher for longer rates, liquidity headwinds that we see um, as balance sheets are reduced by central banks, the rate hikes around the globe, right? Uh, Student loan repayments going back into effect in the U.S. and what that's going to mean for the consumer. There's a lot of elements that tell you be cautious. And so as a a portfolio manager and when I'm talking to my clients, I don't just want to be one-sided and say, look at all this great news. We have to look at both sides of the equation. And that tells us right now we should still be a little bit cautious. That's not saying come out of the market. We want to be invested, but we want to be very choosy and cautious as to where we are invested. All right. And before I let you go, because we're running out of time, what do you think that our setup should be for the second half of the year if we are not chasing all the Apples and the Microsofts and so on? Yeah, I think you want to look at, at some of the lower valuation names that have strong balance sheets, good business models, and good management teams that you know can withstand volatility because we do think we're going to continue to see some volatility in the market even if the overall trend over time is higher. So we would look at some of those 
consumer-facing names that are larger names with pricing power. Maybe look at some some more staple names in your portfolio just to balance out maybe some of the tech or more growthy names that are already there. All right. Thank you very much, Victoria. Thank you so much for your insights. My pleasure. We've been speaking with Victoria Fernandez, the Chief Market Strategist at Crossmark Global Investments, and I'm Sean Cheong from Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.